good morning again. It is lovely to be together. Um, so funny, the last time I preached, there was like the lectern that way, and it's so funny when it's flat, so I'm just going to have to get used to the shininess of my notes. It is so lovely to be together again this morning, and once again, if you're a guest, we are glad that you are with us. And that little bumper video is what we've been looking at um, this year, what we believe that God has called us to be, is to be a church that is known for what it is for, and that we're for people, for the common good. And so it's really exciting to see already some of the good news stories that have come out of our church being for people, and I'm looking forward to hearing more and more about them. And the good news is, is that when we did that wonderful recommitment Sunday, not only did we have new people signing up to serve at church, which is so always exciting to see, um, not only at church, but also in our community initiatives as well. But we also were blown away by your generosity as well. And we we have so far raised $63,000, which is just amazing. Yeah, I know. Isn't that exciting? And particularly for um, the initiative that we want to do here at Crow's Nest, which was to have a um, kind of like a soft play play area that we have already raised, I think it is $17,000 towards that, which is just absolutely exciting. And so we are working, just so that you know that we are working very, very hard behind the scenes to put that all together. But just like most things at the moment, if you're trying to get anything, there seems to be a very lack of supply at the moment. So things may take just that little bit longer than what we um, have been planning. But we are working towards it, measuring, working out all the logistics of it. Because if you don't know that we run this place as a community centre, not a community centre, as a conference centre for the community um, during the week as well. So we've got to work out how we manage the logistics of it all. Anyway, just wanted to give you a little bit of an update with that. So this moment, this week, I had a moment, and it is a moment that I'm sure that we have all experienced in our life. I know I'm not the only one that has experienced this, but I had a moment this week, and it is one that we actually really, really hate at the time, but we are so glad that we've had it. We're glad when it's been revealed to us. And the moment that I'm talking about is when you have something stuck in your teeth. You've all had that moment? got something stuck in your teeth. And that moment when someone tells you you've got something stuck in your teeth, there's a moment of absolute embarrassment, but also then relief. Or isn't it even worse when you've been somewhere and you have like been talking to people the whole time, having like entree, main, and you're about to have dessert and you go to the bathroom and you look at yourself and you notice you've got something stuck in your teeth that was actually in the entree, and you have been talking closely to people the whole time with that in your teeth. Isn't that a moment, isn't it? It's not one that we love, but we're also relieved and thankful when we do see it. Well, having food stuck in your teeth is one thing, but what about when we have stuff stuck in the teeth of our soul? So at the moment, last week, we started a new series called Substitutes, and it's talking about how when we substitute anything in the ultimate place of our desires for God, when we make something that is good the ultimate. And so last week, Sam talked about how we're all going to serve something. Whether we know it or whether we do know it, we're all serving something. 
And he talked about idolatry as when we take the good thing and we make it an ultimate thing. And so when I say teeth of your soul, something stuck in the teeth of your soul, there are things that are deep within you that you think you have to have in order to be happy. We think that we need to make us happy and they're not God. And the problem is, is that they're not actually terrible things. These things that we desire, the things that we want, are actually all good things. But the problem is, is that when we make those good things the ultimate things. So this morning, for the next few minutes, I want to be your kind friend who just says to you, maybe just, maybe you just want to check that out in your soul. So how do we know if there is something stuck in our teeth? How do we know if we're making something that is good the ultimate thing? Well, just like having something stuck in your teeth that feels like it's a bit of like an all-too-late moment that you've accidentally made the wrong impression over someone because of that something stuck in your teeth or you feel really embarrassed. It's the same when we've got something stuck in the teeth of our souls. Generally, it is from a too-late moment. So you might be wondering, what is a too-late moment? Okay, so some examples are... Maybe you've been working on an idea or a concept or maybe a small side hustle that you are so passionate about. You've put your soul, you've put your whole being into and you're really excited about. And then you share it with someone and they say one slightly negative little comment and your whole world crashes down. You feel devastated and you feel like what you have brought is worthless. Another too late moment could be that you finally get the promotion that you've wanted. But you still feel all the things that you wanted from this promotion, maybe it was to be seen, maybe you still feel unseen, maybe you still don't feel satisfied with the money that came. A too late moment could be that you think you're a team player and you're fine to go with the flow, but as soon as someone crosses your agenda of how you want something to be, it triggers you. And you didn't realise that that was a problem for you until that trigger moment. Or maybe a too late moment, if you're a parent, is maybe when your child doesn't achieve as well as you had hoped for them and you are more devastated than they are about the result. Or a too late moment could be when you finally get the thing that you've been saving up for, the thing that you've been thinking about, and you get it. And then all of a sudden you realise, oh, I don't feel that satisfied. I really want the next thing. There can be all too late moments. And so for some of us, we may think, oh, when I have those moments, that's just who I am or that's just us as humans. But maybe these are actually showing us where the affections of our heart are. Maybe they are showing us what we desire or as Sam put last week, the idols of our heart. So how do we find these things? If they're not as like in bright lights in front of us, how do we find them? How do we know what our heart is desiring? Because they can sometimes feel like they are hiding. Well, it's like a good old-fashioned game of hide-and-seek. My kids this morning, as I was trying to prepare, were deciding to play hide-and-seek through my house, which is always a lot of fun and a lot of noise, which is funny because hide-and-seek should be quiet, don't you think? Like, 
I do, but there was a lot of noise this morning. And so when, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid and you played hide and seek, or maybe you played hide and seek with your own kids or your nieces and your nephews, but generally, after you say, ready or not, here I come, there are some giveaways about where these kids are, isn't there? There might be a rattling of a door or a wriggling of a blanket or maybe even an untimed giggle in which that's how you know where they are. And see, the thing is, just like us when we play hide and seek or just like kids when they play hide and seek, our desires or those idols of our heart, even though they are hiding, they give away a noise that alert us to their location. They give away a noise that alerts us to what is going on. So this morning, as we look at our Bible passage, I want us to remember, as Sam said last week, he talked about how um, when we view the Bible through the lens of idolatry, that we see it so very different. Remembering that idolatry is not just something that is mentioned just smallly, but is mentioned throughout the Bible. Let's look at it with like the first commandment is about you will not have any other gods than me. And then when Jesus comes and he talks about the new commandments, he said, you will love God with all of your heart. And so we realise that throughout the whole Bible, through both the Old Testament and the New Testament, that it is screaming to us, the Bible is screaming to us about how idols, the desires of our heart, are playing hide and seek with us. How their good things in people's lives have become the ultimate thing. And so we're going to read from Colossians 3 this morning. Colossians 3 verses 5 to 9. Good, that's what I had to. Sam and I are preaching on the same uh, thing and we wrote our sermons together but also separately and so I was a little bit nervous that maybe his slides came here and my slides went there. You don't know with technology do you? All right so Colossians 3 says this, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed which is idolatry. Because of this, these the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Not a very light passage, is it, God? <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. So you might have read that. You might have followed along with me when, we were, when I was reading that, and you might have thought to yourself, particularly if you're checking out Christianity, you might have actually thought to yourself, I knew it. I knew it. I knew Christianity was all about the do-nots. It's just a list of rules. I knew it. Or you might be someone who has faith, and you might have listened to that, and you might have gone, oh, I don't do that. Oh, I could do that, but I don't do that. Oh, I don't really think this actually applies to me. So I'll just... I'll let it go to those that actually really need it this morning. Or for others, we may have read that and we just felt a lot of guilt and shame. And can I tell you this morning that that is not the way that this passage is intended. 
None of those ways. It is not a to-do and don't list. It is not to bring guilt and shame. But rather, is about helping us to see that there is a bigger picture going on here. See, Paul is talking. So Paul, who wrote this, isn't wanting to put an exhaustive list together because that is not it. But rather, he's painting a picture of a tree. And these behaviours are the fruit of the tree. They're attached to desire in its roots in over-desire. Because the word that is used here, the word that is used in Greek that is in here, and we all know that I'm very good at articulating words, so I'm going to give this a go. But the Greek word that is used here, and if you want to put it up, Peter, soon, because then everyone can make sure that um, I say it correctly, is epithuma. I think I might have got it right. Epithuma is the Greek word that is used here, and it's used throughout the whole New Testament. And what it means is epi being over and thuma being desire. So it means over desire. And so we've probably heard the word epi with earthquakes, epicenter. And the epicenter, I'm not a science guru, but I do know this, the epicenter is the point above or the point over where the earthquake is but it is where you see the ripples and the effects of what is going on beneath the surface. I'm getting a lot of head nods, so I feel like I have worked that out well. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Scott doesn't agree with me. But (laughs) I think that it is. And so when we're talking about over-desire, we can talk about how epithuma is the point in which it is over the desire. And so it is used throughout the New Testament. So the Old Testament uses the word idolatry. And in the New Testament, when it is talking about these things, it uses the word epithuma, which is over desire. And we see it in 1 John 2, 15 and 17, when it's talking about desire. We see it in Galatians 5, verse 24, where it talks about desire. And it is all throughout. But it is about this moment of over desire where the desire is here and over-desire is up here, where the behaviour tells you what's going on underneath. And so when I was talking before about those two late moments, what I actually think that we should call them, because I don't think they're too late moments, I don't think that's the end, I don't think it's too late, but what I actually really think they are is soul quakes, where they are the thing that is telling us what's going on. They're the epithuma, they're the thing above the desire. Because the thing is that I really want you to know is that desire is not bad. Desiring good things is not bad. Desiring to have a relationship, desiring to have a family, desiring to have a good job, desiring to have all of those things are not bad things. Desiring to be um, have friendships and desiring to be well-known and to desire all of those things are not bad It's when it becomes an over-desire. It's when that good thing becomes the ultimate thing. See, God actually built us, obviously, with desire. We see it in kids, don't we? They get a new toy and it is their favouritest thing for as long as they possibly can have. Or they get really proud of something they've done. We're built with that. Like Sam shared last week with his little brother and his five-cent coin. He's like, man, I love my five-cent coin. I love my five-cent coin. We see that. Desire is not bad. We are built with desire. But real beautiful, pure desire is when what we desire actually desires us back. And we see that with God, who we are created to desire. Is that that thing that we desire the most actually desires us back the most as well. 
And because most of the things that we are desiring, most of the things that we want and that we are making the ultimate thing is actually things that will eventually let us down or dissatisfy us. So I just even want to push you a little bit further this morning because I'm sure you may be a little bit like me. For those of us that have faith, I'm sure we live our life going, God, I serve you. God, it is all about you, your plans, your timing. But yet then we just go, I'm just going to make this little thing happen over here because I'm not really content with your timing. Or I want my name known more than I want your name known. Or I know that you said this, but I actually really want to do that. Where we go, God, we live for you, but when it is convenient for us. And so this morning, I think sometimes that we don't actually even really know what we want. We may not know what... Um, we actually desire. Somewhere deep down we know, but we actually don't know. And so, just like Sam, I'm going to use my favourite band this morning. It's all going to show you how old I am. And I think it's the Spice Girls principle, (laughs) where it's like, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. And our soul is saying, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So, how do we find out what we really want? Well, this morning, it is five questions. They might seem like a lot of points. Don't worry, I'll get through them quickly. But these are five questions that um, we're going to put on the screen as I go through them. And so maybe at the end, take a photo of all five of them or write them down. Because this week, I would love it if we could go through what these five questions are and what they mean for our souls so that we could see maybe what is going on underneath the surface. So the first question is, what gives me hope? When you're in a situation which feels hopeless, when you're in a situation that um, is a bit bleak, what is the thing that gives you hope? Or when you wake up in in the morning, what gives you hope? Okay, question two, what do I have to have? Tricky question, isn't it? But maybe a way of looking at that is, where do I easily spend my money? Uh, What is the thing that I say, if I just have that, then I'll be happy? Or maybe it's, I just need another X amount of money per week and then I'll be satisfied. Or if I just have that relationship, or if I just get that promotion, or if I just have that house, or if I just live there, or if I just have that car... What is the thing that you have to have? It could even be organisation. What is that thing that I have to have? It's like, if I just get that organised, then my life will be fine. Question three, which I, um, this one I resonate with really deeply, is what do I fear? I feel like a phrase that comes out of my mouth often is, oh, that's my biggest fear. And it's quite concerning how often I say that because I must have a lot of biggest fears. But it is, what do you fear? Because fear is always a really good clue of what you are after. 
what do you what do you fear of losing? What do you fear of not having? What do you fear? Maybe it's rejection. Do you play down being a Christian in certain situations to win the approval of others? So then when you boil that down, it's others' affirmation that is your idol. Maybe it's criticism. Maybe you're fearful of criticism. Maybe you lie to save face because your idol is actually reputation. Maybe you're fearing losing money. So therefore, maybe security is your idol. Or maybe your fear is not being able to live in the area that you want to live in. So maybe status is your idol. So when you do this question, get specific and then try and trace down to where the fear is rooted in. Number four is, what am I over-emotional about? Emotions are good. There is nothing wrong with emotions. We love emotions. You've got to feel the whole width of it. But what is when you're in a situation that someone else is in and their reaction is this and your reaction is a little bit over, over what it should be? What do you get over-emotional about? And then number five, which was one that dinged my soul a little bit, was why does unanswered prayer affect me? Or what is it about the unanswered prayer that bugs me or niggles me? And why does it affect you? Maybe potentially the things that we are praying for could be things that are over desire. And so the whole point of this is that we can have a look at what is underneath. That these moments, these questions are going to help us work out what the soul quakes in are up here. Not too late moments, it's never too late. Those soul quake moments up here so that we can look at what's underneath here. So, this week, are you willing to play hide and seek? And see what is rattling the cupboard, what is wriggling the doona? Those soul quake moments. But when we play hide and seek, I hope that this is not what you do, because I think some of us actually play it backwards, where we actually hide the idols and we seek to look okay. And this morning, we don't want to do that. We want to seek the idols that are hiding. And so this morning, the good news is, is that when we have those too late moments that we no longer now have to go, oh no, too late, I feel shame, I feel guilt and I feel fear. No, we don't need to worry about that anymore. Is that our too late no moments, we can now go, oops, it's a bit of a soul quake moment. Thank you, Jesus, for showing me that and now help me work out what's causing that. So there's some freedom in that. And so this week, as we answer those questions... I do really pray that as we are really honest and real to ourselves, that new things will come to light for us. And we're not going to leave you just there. Because the rest of Colossians, when it talks about this, and you'll see at the beginning of Colossians 3, it talks about even though we have moments like that, even though it can feel dark when we're trying to find what the idols are, it says simply to lift our eyes, set our minds on the things above and not on those earthly things. And so it comes back to where are we setting our eyes. So let's have those moments. Let's play hide and seek. 
But then let's also remember there is a good and gracious and loving God that is there and ready to make good things good things and him the ultimate thing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are good and gracious. Father God, we thank you that you are something that is worthy of our desire. We thank you that you not only desire us, but Father God, that you don't ever let us down in ways that sometimes we don't understand, in ways that we may feel you let us down, but you do not. You are worthy of our desire. And so, Father God, the things that are good that we have made ultimate. God, I pray that as we desire to become more and more like you, as we desire to grow closer to you, Lord, I pray that this week that we'll be able to seek them out. As we go into this week and we say, ready, set, go to the idols, Lord, that we'll be able to see what is getting our heart's affection. 